Can we please all give Travis a massive welcome? Very good, very good. Hey, it's great to be um, here with you tonight, uh, opening uh, the Word of God with you. And um, I actually realised when I was preparing for this message, it's been a long time since I've spoken at church. It's been four months, in fact, that I have um, since I last spoke at a service. And I've got a pretty good reason. Um, caring for a newborn and, and doing all that has you know, taken up a lot of my time. In fact, two of those four months, I actually managed to stay awake the whole time. So that's been really good. Um, you know, I, I've found night and day amalgamated into one and consciousness and subconsciousness converged and all of time, space and reality as I'd known it ceased to exist. So it's been really good. It's been good. Um, I know as well the last uh, couple of weeks, or a few weeks actually in fact, we've um, diverged a little bit. We've taken a bit of a detour from our Alpha series that we were uh, running and so we're coming back to it tonight. Um, as Ty mentioned, we're looking at how and why do I read the Bible. But before we jump in, let me just uh, sort of refresh your memory a little bit um, for, from this series. Um, early on, Pastor David shared on the topic of why Jesus had to die. Tyrone looked at how and why um, do I pray. And uh, Tamara looked at how can I have faith. So the Alpha series is really foundational uh, key foundational uh, things about um, following Jesus. And we come now to an extremely foundational part of being a Christian, of being a a Christ follower. And we come to the question of of why and how do I read the Bible? You know, what if you've been um, along to church, you you know, along to this church, um, you'll know that the Bible is, we constantly reference um, to it and we constantly, that's what our sermons are based out of. Um, Why and how do I read the Bible? And it's interesting because um, the Guinness World Records actually lists the Bible as the best-selling book of all time. I don't know if you know this. Um, Research suggests that between five and seven billion copies have been printed in the last 1,500 years and 80 million Bibles are printed every year. It's it's incredibly, um, it's the most popular book of all time. It's by far and large um, the most popular piece of writing. And uh, we were blessed last week with, um, with Jossie speaking to us and again, just sharing with us the great need in our world for, um, for Christians um, to venture out to countries where, um, where there's persecution for Christ followers and um, where it's actually illegal to have a Bible. There's countries out there, there's places where having a Bible is illegal and it leads to, you know, having a Bible in your possession leads to severe persecution, let alone spreading it around and, and you know, speaking from it in a public setting. Um, owning a Bible for, for many people um, comes at an extreme cost and, and even getting a Bible in, in their native language is, is near impossible. And then you, you sort of take that knowledge and then you look back at us in Australia and um, just about everybody has a Bible in their house somewhere, maybe it's locked away somewhere or it's dusty, you know, it's collecting dust somewhere. Um, but everybody has access to a Bible here, in, you know, in Australia. There's no issue getting a Bible um, just from walking into a bookstore or coming to church or some organisations hand them out on the street. Um, there's no problem accessing the Bible here. And uh, I even had the thought, you know, um, I think for, for some um, non-religious people, there's a bit of an issue here with how freely the Bible is given, you know, and that, I feel like almost that expression of um, don't jam the Bible down my throat, that's where that comes from, this free, um, this, this giving of the Bible that we have in our society. And so um, I, I did, when I was thinking about this, I was wondering, how is this the case? You know, why is the most popular book of all time also so fiercely outlawed in, in other countries? How um, can it be so readily available in some countries, yet so hard to access in others? And I, th- I think the truth is that as well as being the most popular book in the world of all time, it's hard to deny it being the most powerful book of all time. The Bible, it has to be the most powerful book of all time. The psalmist describes the words of God as being more precious than gold. 
uh, the Queen of England at her coronation uh, was handed a, a copy of the Bible with these words. We present you this book, the most valuable thing which this world affords. Theodore Roosevelt said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a university education. These are huge claims, huge claims, both within the Bible and outside of it on the Bible's importance. Jesus said this in Matthew 4, verse 4, people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus says, you know, material things don't satisfy. Physical, material things don't satisfy us completely. Even the best human relationships don't satisfy us completely. We have a a spiritual hunger as people. And the only thing that will satisfy that spiritual hunger is the words from God. That's what Jesus is saying there. There's a deep importance for us to hear the words of God. And the primary way in which we do hear God's word, the primary way in which God communicates to us his creation is through his book. And so a, uh, a really simple response then, if, if you're just new to faith or you're, you know, maybe you've come along, maybe you've been dragged along for the first time, um, and you, you sort of, you've never opened the Bible, you never even really thought about opening it. Why you should read it then is that its claims are too great to ignore. They're simply too great to ignore. If the Bible is God's primary way of speaking with his creation, then it must at least be consulted. It must be at least open. It must be at least read, searched and considered um, in your search for life's meaning and purpose. It must at least be consulted. That's the short answer. The, the much longer um, answer is on why we should read the Bible is that the Bible must be read because it is a form of revelation of God. It is, it is a revelation of God. And um, often the question gets asked, um, if God is there, if God is, if God is real and, you know, He's there. Why doesn't he show himself? Why doesn't he reveal himself to us? That's often a a common question. And the response to that is, well, in his word, he has revealed himself to us. That's where revelation comes from. He has revealed himself to us. His word reveals, um, communicates who he is, Uh, what he's been up to in the past and what he will be up to in the future. You know, if we look at the Old Testament, just really really briefly, um, we see how God created the world. God reveals how he did that. He reveals that there's a design to our universe. There's an order, there's a form. He reveals how we were created to bear his image, to walk on this earth and live as his image bearers. So he reveals that we have a purpose in his creation to to, uh, look after the world and love others and proclaim his goodness and live in relationship with him. He has revealed how we are supposed to live as his followers as well. He he gives us free will, otherwise our existence is, is arbitrary, but he gives us parameters as well shows us how to, how to be an image bearer, how to follow him, how to, how to do what he um, requires of us on this earth. Um, so we aren't just fumbling around in the dark. He reveals his plan for us. And then as well, we see in the Old Testament, when we do ultimately fumble, uh, when people of, of, um, of faith fumble um, and, and their world suffers and our world suffers as a consequence, He reveals his plan to redeem our world and us. He he is constantly through his written word revealing himself to the the chosen um, nation of Israel in the Old Testament um, through the prophets um, in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, he reveals himself through the person of Jesus. 
He sends His Son, the ultimate revelation of God, the ultimate revealing of God to our world so that we may know Him um, in the fullest way possible. Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 2 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom, through whom also he made the universe. The ultimate revelation of God um, comes to us. We read about him in the New Testament. Jesus, um, we're, we're told he, he comes, he lives, he, he dies and he's resurrected. Again, the ultimate revelation of God written down for us so that we can know God. And, and what, what I'm trying to point out is... Um, from the Old to the New Testament, all 31,000 plus Bible verses all tell one cohesive story about God. They're one, it's one big narrative. It's God's story starting in creation and, and culminating in the person of Jesus. His word reveals himself. And so you might um, then have the question, well, you know, if his word reveals himself does that mean God wrote the Bible you know well who how did the Bible come to existence then did God write it and uh, you may know all of this before it's good just re-going over this but um, to reiterate the Bible it, it's a collection of books it's actually it's a library of books and um, that these books they span a multitude of genres they um, a multitude of genres and authors there's historical narrative, there's biographies, there's um, architecture designs, there's legal documents, just to name a few. And it's written in three different languages. There's Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek that it's written down in. And uh, the, the authors of these books, they, they span a multitude of, of professions and um, social statuses. There's, there's doctors, there's priests, um, historians, kings, and then there's humble fishermen and shepherds as well. All authors, all contributing to, to um, expressing God through written word um, that we have now today um, as the Bible. And uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. Uh, the literal translation there of, of um, inspired is, is God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. And you might wonder, well, how can that be? How can, there be, how can the Bible be written by 100% human authors yet claims to be God-breathed? How does that work? Um, there's an illustration, um, actually, of the, um, a man named Sir Christopher Wren who built St. Paul's Cathedral. And he started at the age of 43 in 1675 and he finished... Um, um, in 1711, when he was uh, 79 years of age. Um, he was the architect behind the design. He was the one, the mastermind, the one who was um, building this cathedral. But the thing is, Sir Christopher Wren didn't actually lay a single stone. He didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't actually physically do the work. There were stonemasons, carpenters, builders, many people involved over a long period of time. But Sir Christopher Wren was the inspiration behind it all. And so we see something similar here with the Bible. There are many different writers, but one architect, one inspiration behind it all, and that is God himself. And um, when you come to know, I think particularly when, when you come to know God's character and the love and grace that's found in him. It, it, it's so fitting that he would use just ordinary, broken people to write his story, isn't it? You know, we see, um, we see Jesus in the New Testament just call ordinary people, just come, follow him, drop what you're doing, come and follow me. And um, we see the foolishness, don't we, of the disciples sometimes. We see they don't get who Jesus is. They don't know what he's doing. And sometimes we cringe a little bit. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, how can you not see who Jesus is? Yet Jesus uses them um, to tell his story in a greater way. 
And it's so fitting that God would, would do that. That's, that's, that's who God is. His character is to come and use us broken people to bring about, um, to redeem us, bring about um, his good and our good um, combined. And so God does the same in revealing himself through the written work of the Bible. I understand as well um, in saying all of this that, that um, the Bible can pose some, some challenging um, thoughts. It can pose some um, challenges uh, morally and historically. And you might even wonder, at some points you read some stuff in the Bible and you go, how can this be um, God-inspired? How can this be God-breathed, you know? And it can be hard sometimes to sort of um, match up some different um, tones or some different um, uh, ways of, of, of putting things. And I think about it like if you have in one hand the knowledge that God loves you and loves the world and you, you, you know that and you hold that in one hand, but then in the other hand, you also hold the knowledge that, our, our, that suffering occurs and, and life is incredibly hard for, for, for you, for, for others around you. And you hold both of those knowledges, both of those um, things in each hand. And both can be true, but there's a tension, isn't there? There can feel like a bit of a tension point holding those two beliefs. Um, we can find ourselves like this with the Bible, kind of holding two tension points sometimes um, and, and, and struggling to work through that. But Nicky Gumbel gives this great piece of advice. He says, um, reading the Bible is a bit like a crossword puzzle in that you start with clues and um, sometimes you come across one you, you just can't answer. You come across a clue you can't answer, um, but you don't stop, do you? You move on to the next clue and you realise, oh, I can, you can actually answer that one much easier. And in fact, by you answering that clue gives um, more clues, more letters to the other one. And all of a sudden, you can start to answer and fill in the more difficult clues that you have. Um, it's a bit like that in that um, working through the Bible can often be um, a process. And uh, what we need to remember, though, a key thing that we need to remember when we come to, to read the Bible and read God's Word is it, just like in the, in the crossword, there's a key. Um, the key for reading the Bible is Jesus. We've got to remember the key for reading the Bible is Jesus. The written word of God points us to the living word, Jesus. The written word points us to the living word, Jesus. I remember as an early uh, Christian, um, when I came to faith as a late teenager, um, not having sort of a, an upbringing um, in a, in a Christian household, I, I sort of was unfamiliar with basic Bible stories and, and you know, stories you'd learn in Sunday school. And I just um, didn't have a great understanding of the Bible itself. And I found it really easy to justify to myself that I didn't actually need to read the Bible that much to connect with God. I found it very easy to, to say that. Um, I found it easy to say, well, I connect with God more through creation, you know, um, spending time with him outdoors or, or, you know, seeing a sunrise or a sunset. I connect with that. Um, I connect with God more through that. Or I might say, well, no, I feel like I, I connect with God more through singing songs in worship. And um, don't get me wrong, God reveals himself in incredible ways through creation, through worship, through, through all those things. But to be honest, hundreds of stories in this, in, this, in this Bible through 66 books and letters and prophecy by over 40 authors, I'm probably gonna find a, a bit more connection in, in the written word of God than I potentially am in, in, a, in a sunset, you know? And I think for me, that, that the, what hit me was um, there is so much in here to learn about um, Jesus, um, that we cannot undervalue the Bible in our connection with God. We can't. We can't undervalue it and say, oh, I, I, yeah, I just, it's not for me. We can't, we can't do that. Of course, God will continue to reveal himself in many other ways, but predominantly, the, the main way he speaks to us is through his written word. We cannot undervalue the written word of God in our connection to him. 
How many of us, uh, when we get a, a flat pack piece of furniture from Ikea or Kmart, um, pull it out, pull, the, um, pull all the bits of material out, um, and then we get the instructions and we go, I don't need that. And we tuck it in the bin because we see all the materials and we go, I'll be right. I know how this works. I've done this a million times. I know how to do this. And then how many of us have to go back to the bin and search through it to find the, find the instructions because we can't figure it out? We have forgotten in that moment, haven't we, that, that someone knows that piece of furniture better than us. Someone has actually created that furniture and then has written down the instructions on how we are to um, do the same thing. They know it better than we do. And that creator wants us to be able to build the piece of furniture and enjoy it. Um, it goes much deeper though in a Christian sense because it's not just about um, God wanting us to build a good piece of furniture or have a good life or you know, have, you know, build a good life and, and um, do that. God gives us instructions, gives us his written words so that we would know him. He wants connection to him through his written word. So we cannot undervalue the Bible uh, in our devotion and worship. Uh, in another sense, um, it's, good to, it's good to be aware as well of the Bible's place uh, in God's picture, in the whole picture. And what I mean by that is we need to be careful not to just value the words of the Bible without, uh, without valuing the person that they point to. Having a, a view of the Bible as, um, as um, in that we hold it up as sacred, but then not allowing it to, um, its message to actually change us is, is something we need to um, take caution of. George MacDonald says this, the Bible nowhere lays claim to be regarded as the word, the way, the truth. The Bible leads us to Jesus the inexhaustible, the ever-unfolding revelation of God. It is Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, not the Bible. And uh, Jesus actually talks about this. He says to the Pharisees in John 5, uh, verses 39 to 40, he says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, he says, Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. This is not a means of, of uh, tearing down the Bible or, you know, whatever. I, I, I know you won't take it like that. But I instead want to just point us to um, understanding and realising the Bible's place in the grand scheme of, of God's revelation of himself. The Bible points to Jesus. It points to him and it implores us to come under his lordship. It points us to him so that we may come under his lordship, that we may be transformed by him, that we may have connection and have new life in him. Um, the Bible is not intended for us to find our purpose within it, to, to um, pour over it so that we will, we will um, find life in it. Instead, it points us to the life giver himself. Um, I think back to the purpose of Ikea instructions um, and uh, they're not intended to just be read um, while the materials are all on the floor. They're not intended, it's not intended for you to read the instructions and think, wow, that would make an incredible piece of furniture. Um, you know, and I'm sure that would be amazing and that sounds lovely and awesome. And then for you to put the instructions down and walk away and leave all the materials on the floor. That would make no sense, would it? The instructions are there so that you actually go and build the furniture, so that you go and, and, and make it and you enjoy it and use it. In the same way, the Bible is not just instructions or a rule book or a, you know, a good idea. It's, it's intended that we may know Jesus. Um, I used to have a, a battered old Holden Astra um, it was the first car I got when I got my license and the aircon had died in it and um, the stereo for some reason, um, no matter what temperature, I would, uh, temperature, no matter what volume, I would leave, the, um, leave it on when I turned the car off. It would always start at 
And so every morning I would turn my, I'd forget and I'd turn my car on and get the biggest jump scare of my life and it would wake me up and I'd, I'd drive off. But I loved the car, it was great. But suppose I was to get a brand new Holden Astra and um, suppose I was to grab uh, the manual that came in the, in the glove box and, um, and um, suppose I was to um, get the manual out and, and read it and go, wow, you know, this is an incredible book. Like this is a, this is a really good book. You know, imagine I sort of underlined and highlighted all the parts that really stood out to me, you know, the tyre pressure and the, the steering and the stereo. And, um, and I thought, wow, this is such a good book. You know, I should, I should learn this by heart. And imagine I got the book and I thought, Man, you know, this is, this is incredible what it's saying in here. Um, maybe I should get someone to write some music to it and we can sing songs about it. Maybe I should contact Hillsong. They can write some songs about this and we can sing about how good this book is. And you know what? Maybe there's other people that love this book as much as I do and we can start a club. We can start a Holden Astra Manual Club. And we go and we, we hang out together and we talk about it and maybe some of us get tattoos of the Holden Astra Manual on our body. You would say, you've missed the point, mate, haven't you? The manual is there so that you drive the car. That's the point of the manual, drive the car. The point of the Bible is that we would have relationship with Jesus, that we'd be transformed, that we would come under his lordship. How then? That's the, um, this is, uh, the, the next part of this question, how? How do I do that? I've, I've got the why, I get it, I'm keen. How do I do it? How do I hear God speak to us? And I, I know the Bible can sometimes look a bit um, like you're reading something like um, this picture that's about to come up. I know sometimes you can look at that and you, that's what you feel like you're reading when you read the Bible. Now, maybe some of you out there do read the Greek on manuscript and if so, it must be very nice, you know, good job. Um, and maybe you, you feel like, where do I start? Like, where does the sentence start? Where does it end? Like, where, where do you go from there? How do you read the Bible? Um, you might even ask yourself, does it always feel a bit irrelevant? Does it always feel a bit stop and start kind of vibe? Um, in an Old Testament class I took um, last year at Bible College, the three driving questions that really changed things for me um, when looking at a biblical text were this. It was, what is it? What is it for? And what is it for today? That's, that's the three questions that were given for any, for any biblical text. What is it? What is it for? And what is it for today? And when you ask, what is it? What am, what am I looking at here? What am I reading? You're asking what is the genre that I'm reading? Am, am I reading uh, you know, some poetry? Am I reading a narrative? Am I reading a letter? Am I reading a story? What am I reading here? What is the form of the text? When you ask, what is it for? You're asking, what was the original intent of the text? What was it purposed for? Who was it going to? Who were the audience of the text? And who was the author as well of the text? And then you ask yourself, what is it for today? How does this message, how does this message, even though it's to a completely different group of people, how can it still apply to me? How does it point back to Jesus? I, I feel like the usual approach for, um, for uh, Christians who are new to the Bible um, is, to, is to grab hold of the Bible and uh, go, boom, you read every book from the top, I'm going from the top. And you go, Genesis. And you go, yep, on the first day God created, yep, no worries. Second day, yep, this is easy. You get to Abraham, you're like, yeah, I've heard of this guy, this is awesome. Noah, I know about him. I've seen Evan Almighty, I know how this works. <laughs> you go through Genesis, you're like, this is great, this is all good. Then you hit Leviticus, or Leviticus hits you. <laughs> and you go through Numbers and you're like, there is a... You know, the, the title numbers is very fitting. There's a lot of numbers in here. There's so many genealogies. What am I meant to do? Do I add them up and it, you know, it creates this code and this message? You know, what do I do with this? There's a bunch of names I can't pronounce. Um, and, and what happens is at this point, you start to drift off. You're like, oh, this is tough. Where, like, when do I get to, you know, when do I get to Jesus? When does... How do I keep going? How do I know God through this? This just feels so irrelevant and so far from me. 
Instead, here's what we need to know. Don't, um, don't just close the Bible and go, well, that's too confusing. It's too hard. I, you know, oh, you know, I'll just wait for someone to tell me what I should think. Or I'll just wait for, you know, um, I'll just wait to, to hear what someone says about this. We need to know each book, each letter, each uh, text in the Bible, it's set within its own culture. That's really, really important. It's set within its own culture. And uh, it's designed, it was, it was designed um, probably, um, sorry, it's designed for a purpose probably very far from what we as 21st century people are asking of it. Its original purpose is probably very far from what we are expecting of it. If you take the creation account in, in Genesis 1 to 11, for example, um, it does not answer, or it probably doesn't answer for you every question that you have of creation um, based on, on our current knowledge of science, does it? It doesn't tell us about atoms. It doesn't tell us about molecules. It doesn't tell us about all, all those things because it's not actually meant to be read as a scientific report. It's not meant to be read like that. Instead, it's meant to be read as a theological origins account. It, it tells us about the wisdom of God, the creator. It tells us about how he is good um, that he is here with us, that he has plans and purposes for humankind. It tells us we're made in his image. It reveals all those things about God and his creation and who we are in the grand scheme of God's story. And when we view it in that way, we don't come, at, we don't come to odds with, with um, science or I know that that can be such a barrier for, for people. We don't come... Um, at odds um, with science in that respect. Instead, we're deeply encouraged, aren't we, to know that there is a creator, that the world isn't just an accident, that there was purpose, that we uh, have value. We've been created by God. That's an extremely encouraging thought for us, an extremely encouraging reality for us. Context is so important when we read Scripture and what we must do as well when reading the Bible is to remember to view um, the Bible as a story. I said that before, a much larger narrative um, in which Jesus is the main focus. Jesus is the, the um, culmination of the text. And, uh, and we have this view in our society um, that uh, we must be the main characters. If, if you know, we view the Bible and go, well, we're the main characters. The Bible's written... It's about me, essentially. Like it's, it's, um, it revolves around me. And it, it's not true. We are partakers in God's story. God does not partake in our story. We are partakers in his story. The Bible reveals God through Jesus so that we are brought under his lordship, not that we would bring him under our lordship. That is, that is so crucial. And I wonder how often um, do we do this and we don't even realise, you know, how often do we um, only, only consult the Bible when we've got an issue, when we, when we really want God to, to help us in a situation or we, you know, we really need some help or we um, need an answer to something and so we skim the Bible and we look for the answer that we're looking for because we, we don't want to conform to God, we want God to conform to us. We want to find that um, the answer in the Bible condones what we're doing, so we look everywhere for it. Or how many of us have done this, I've done this plenty of times, is you hold the Bible out and you go, okay, Lord, whatever I turn to first, that's going to be um, what, you, what you want to say to me. And so you flick it open and you read Ezekiel 7, 8. I'm about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. And you close it and you go, that's not right. No, no, that's comfy, it. I'll pray again and I'll, I'll, I'll reach further towards the back of the Bible because I know the good stuff's at the back. <laughs> and you get to Matthew 7, 7 and you read, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And you go, thank you, Lord. And that's the message I was looking for. Thank you. How often, how sim you know, does this sound really similar for you? Do you kind of, like, are you there squeezing answers out of the Bible, trying to get it to give you the answer you want? Are you shaking it like a magic eight ball, waiting for an answer that you, um, that you want? Really, we're just, we're just trying to conform God to, to our 
um, life, aren't we? Rather than our lives be conformed to his. So we need to see ourselves in the broad narrative of God's story. Not as main characters, but as partakers. Just to finish um, tonight, um, I just want to give you some real practical things to, to go away from, um, from this. And I know young adults, you're looking at um, reading the Bible in more depth um, at the moment, which is so good. And it's good to have um, some practical guidelines to help you with that. Um, the first step to reading the Bible, is you've, as you probably can guess, is getting a Bible. Um, so please, um, if you don't have one tonight and, and you, you, maybe you've misplaced one or, or whatever it may be, or maybe you want to give someone a Bible, um, come and grab one tonight. We've, we've got some um, just down the front here. There's some at the back as well. They're in a, they're in a brown um, package um, and there's some more information in there as well. But uh, we'd love for you to just have one of those, a gift um, from, from us here um, in, your, in your journey. It's an NLT version, um, an NLT translation. And um, if you don't um, manage to grab one tonight or whatever, um, NLT is a, is a good starting point, as is NIV as well. These are different translations. Um, obviously, going from, from um, Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek to English, there's not going to be word-for-word translations, so that's why there's different um, various translations in that. Um, as well, maybe you've, you hadn't downloaded the, um, the free YouVersion Bible app on your phone. Um, that's another great way to... Um, to remain connected um, to, to God's word as well. Um, before you start reading as well, make sure to pray. I think it's is so key. Pray and, and ask um, the Holy Spirit to direct your reading to him. Direct, you know, ask for his help to um, interpret and direct um, your thoughts and the text to Jesus. Set aside each time um, in a day to read um, to read from, from the Word. And um, there's different opinions on this, but I, I would say, start, if you've never read the Bible before, start with, start with one of the Gospels. Start with the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark and um, read about Jesus. Read about the person of Jesus and, and look at what he does. Look at who he talks to, what he says, who he, what he says about himself. Read about him. If you have questions or if there's challenges, don't, don't, shut, don't shut the book and, and kind of go, well, that's too hard. Um, write them down. Write those, write those questions down. Uh, write those challenges down. Um, and, and bring them. Bring them to, um, if, you're, if you're a young adult, bring them to um, Connect Group. Bring them to uh, someone who's journeyed with God for, for years and years, who, who is um, close um, with the text. Another um, suggestion I have is, is to find yourself a good commentary. Maybe you've been reading the Bible for a while um, and you're sort of just like, oh, wanting to, I don't know, figure out a bit more of the context and, and know what is, is um, happening in, in each book. Um, finding a good commentary is such a great way um, to do that. It can, can help us with the important context of letters, um, the importance of, of different words and their meanings, um, which can often get lost um, in English translations. Remember as well, what part of the story do you occupy? What part of the story are we occupying as we read? And um, as well know, even if you've read the Bible for years and years, there is still more to know about Jesus. There's still more to know about him. And that is an incredibly exciting thing, is that we journey with God in relationship with him. And he, he's constantly, through his written word, revealing more and more about himself. In fact, I got an email um, just the other week um, from, from someone in our church who's a really wise Greek teacher, in fact, um, reminding me of the importance of discovering who Jesus is. Uh, he said, I was reading Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or so our English translations say, Jesus is pictured as some spiritual pharmacist supplying something called rest off the shelf and telling us to go away and take two rest tablets in the morning. And he said, the Greek though stopped me in my tracks. The last part of the verse reads in the Greek, and I will rest you. Jesus is the subject of the verb rest and he rests us. 
It's not that he dispenses rest as if um, rest were an independent something that he prescribes for us from a distance, but he himself takes us in his arms and rests us. He said, I'd never noticed that before and it was a huge encouragement to me, he said. This is someone who's, who's he teaches the Bible. Like, you know, he's an academic, a scholar, and he's still discovering new things about Jesus um, through close reading of, of the text. And um, we're going to sing in a moment. We're going to just respond in worship um, and, and sing of, um, of Jesus' um, great love and uh, who he is. Um, but we do so with joy, don't we? We want to approach the Bible with joy and see that there is a journey that you and I can partake in with reading the Bible. It's not, it's not um, outdated or irrelevant. It is, it is um, living and active through the person of Jesus. And so I encourage you, um, if you haven't read your Bible in a long time, pick it up, start with the gospel, um, one of the gospels. If you've never got a Bible before, come and grab one tonight. Um, and uh, we'd love to encourage you in that, in that journey. Um, but why don't I pray? And then we're gonna, um, we're gonna come and worship um, Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you um, for this great gift. In fact, your written word, um, so accessible and um, yeah, just so um, convenient, really, when we think about it. We thank you, Lord, just for um, your hand in, in crafting it, Lord, in uh, revealing yourself through it. And we pray, Lord, for a, for a, a hunger to know you through your word. Not to, not to um, read the Bible for a head knowledge um, primarily, but to, to read it so that we would be transformed by you, Jesus, that we'd come under your lordship. We'd, um, we'd submit ourselves to you. And I pray for that, Lord. I wanna pray for as well for, for some here tonight who have hit a bit of a block or something and maybe just feel like they just can't get into reading the word. They can't um, bring themselves to do it, Lord. I just pray for your favor and I just thank you, Lord, um, for your grace, for your, for your Holy Spirit's help to pull us closer to you and ask for your favor over these ones. And Lord, I just thank you that you, uh, you are alive and active you are doing um, immeasurably more um, than we could ask or imagine. And um, so we pray now, Lord, and commit ourselves again to you. And uh, we worship you, Lord. We, um, we declare you are King, Jesus. And every um, knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand together. Let's worship. You can come and grab a Bible from the front or the back at any point as well. We'd love to. I'm give that to you.
us right now, I'm just aware that maybe for some of you, you've been really, really wanting to read the Word for a long time. And each week, maybe even each Sunday, you're thinking, this is going to be the week. I'm going to actually read the Bible this week. I'm keen. I'm going to do it. And then week by week goes and you're not reading the Word and you feel discouraged and you just feel deflated. I really want to encourage you that God wants us to know Him. God, that, that is God's desire. So, so don't think of it in this way that you're, you're just full of guilt and shame and you're hiding and as week and week goes by, you feel worse and you feel worse and you feel worse. But actually be so encouraged that God wants us to know Him. That's why the Bible is there. 
and, and, and call upon, as Trav was saying, to ask the Spirit, Spirit, help me. And, and know the joy, because I know that in my own life. When there's shame and there's guilt, it, it takes away the joy. But when you come to the Word of God and you think, man, and you know God wants me to know Him and God wants me to love Him, that, that is a game changer. It really is. So I, I really, I want us to just keep worshipping for a little bit. And, and, I, and I really want you to have this time, even in your, in your own strength, to, to give up and to say, I can't do it. I've tried and I can't. But God, I need You and I need the power of Your Spirit and I want to know You and thank You that You want to know me. So as we continue to worship just for a little bit, just, just pray that. Just pray that and know the peace and the joy that is in the world. Not guilt, not shame, but excitement to know our Heavenly Father. It is exciting. So let's worship right now and pray that. Talk to God right now. single one of this. I, I know I pray this for myself, Lord. I pray through Your Spirit, You would give us the strength, the excitement, the joy to know You, to fall more in love with You, to know the life that You have on offer and to know You, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Saviour every single day of our life. In Your Name we pray, Lord. Amen. Feel free to take a seat. It has been awesome to have you at church tonight. Um, and as I said, we do have our Connections Lounge at the back and our prayer lounge. And if you would love to just get some prayer, just some encouragement to know God, to know His Word, I encourage you to go back there. If you wanna come, as Trav said, we've got Bibles down the front. Uh, it's been great to have you and we'll see you around.